2: You're listening to the best of Kevin and Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
4: Jake, I would say so far, not too bad, at least here in the indie downtown area. Just a couple extra minutes for myself on the commute in. You know, walking to the car, honestly, might have been the, uh, the, the dicier proposition for me. A little icy, a little slushy on the sidewalks. There's certainly snow in the grass, uh, but the roads, as of now pretty much wet snow is falling i did hear from a few people on twitter i put out a video of kind of what my commute looked like uh coming down meridian uh, will mentioned he lives in the plain field area clayton over in that area and a lot of snow on the roads out there so i think a little bit west maybe a little bit south could be different but so far not too bad here locally yeah it was
0: it was for me i noticed Probably, so I I leave around, I left around 620, and it was really coming down like on the north side. And then I got to about 16th Street, and it was done. Now I don't know if it was still snowing that heavy on the north side, and I just left it behind or if it was just intermittent, but uh, definitely like a wet snow, so it was pretty easy to, to wipe off. Perfect, perfect snowman snowball snow. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Perfectly packing snow. Uh, But that also means that it's going to be heavy to shovel, so be careful. I think probably the lack of challenge in the commute was facilitated by the fact that there were fewer people on the road definitely <laughs> but but there is no doubt that it it was basically like a rainy morning on the way in but i anticipate that it's going to look a lot different when we leave here yeah
4: we're gonna have brian wilkes on in about 10 minutes or so you see him on fox 59 to get us updated because as you said jake it does seem like honestly throughout these next three hours of us being in here we could get I saw some reports of potentially in An inch an hour, Um, so certainly something that we will keep you posted on. As of now, I feel like everybody's kind of up to date on the delays and closings. Virtually every school district has gone, I think, e-learning. Boy, you know, for all the, oh, kids didn't have it as tough as we did in our day. You know what, Jake? Uh, We got the nice snow days, and now these kids actually have to somewhat go to school today. Yeah. On the virtual side of things. I I mean
0: snow days were so much fun man. we didn't have a lot of them it didn't but
4: be like my wi-fi doesn't work sorry i can't hop on today <laughs> i mean seriously i think you got some people that that would be uh an issue for but obviously uh thank you to all of the plow crew salt crews everybody i was you know picking up rosie from daycare yesterday they were salting the sidewalk out there and uh we'll continue to keep you posted throughout the day one thing I did want to check as I drove down here I drove over to where the Benedict Matherin statue will be that's cleared out I wanted okay, to make sure after last I night I thought about that this everything morning. was okay because uh, we're going to have some work on that today I believe
0: you know one of the interesting things in addition to Pacers last night uh, a good win and Benedict Matherin was huge down the stretch of that game one of the storylines involving the Pacers that, that is going to be interesting to watch and, and it's probably going to amount to nothing but the Pacers yesterday had a call with the league about the plans and contingencies put in place should LeBron James become the all-time scoring leader in the NBA on, I believe it's February 2nd, when the Lakers yeah, wait, come from to Gambridge Fieldhouse. Now, they have four games between now and then. What LeBron James is doing right now, and I know that he is a polarizing figure. I get it. I know that... People want to talk about rings and chasing rings and everything else. I get it. I think the from a, polarization
4: of him is a bit overblown. I would agree.
0: And from the sheer nature of the combination of athleticism, physical stature, and overall versatility of basketball skill, he is the greatest that we've seen. And what he did last night he has now scored forty points or more against every franchise in the NBA. It's remarkable, right? He
4: Clippers were the last one last correct. night and forty-six for him.
0: Forty six points last night. He's thirty eight years old. He had forty-six points. And and I get it, it was not a win, but it is remarkable what he does what he is doing. I mean and we see this of sometimes of athletes late in their career. You know, Jimmy Connors in the U.S. Open and, you know, guys that kind of get like this, this sudden surge for a few games. But he has done yeah, it. Yeah, not like this. Yeah, I mean, he just continues to do it at a high level. It's It really is. The thing about him to me that is the most impressive is he has had that spotlight on him from the very, very beginning. And, and very few people could ever live up to that, and he has.
4: Yeah, I mean, front cover sports illustrated at, what, 16 or 17 years old. um, I would say Jake would also, to me, has always been so impressed about LeBron. Like, you take away the incredible athleticism, I still think he's an all-star player just based off his basketball IQ. Uh,
0: Totally agree. And vice
4: versa. You take away his IQ and his athleticism, obviously.
0: Well, the other thing, too, is that a lot of times with guys like that, and I know that people can say that he doesn't have the competitiveness of Jordan. I, I get it. But you can't deny this. He is so physically gifted and so talented, and there was so much praise heaped upon him that, like, if he, after ring number two, would have become complacent and kind of gone into Shaquille O'Neal coast drive at that point, I don't know that anybody would have blamed
4: him, but he never has. Right. He never has. And obviously, going back to Cleveland and doing what he did and getting the title for them. They do have a couple back-to-backs. Tonight is one of those, and then Monday, Tuesday. So it'll be interesting to see if he plays in all of those games leading into Thursday inside of GameBridge Bridge Fieldhouse. Um, again, the Pacers come back down 21 last night. I mean, there are a few moments early in that game, I'm thinking. First off, extremely disappointing start, considering Chicago had played the night before. But I'm thinking, boy, are you going to throw up the white flag here? Because the Pacers have a back-to-back. They're in Orlando tonight, but... I thought that third-quarter group of McConnell, Aaron Neesmith, and Miles Turner doing some things a little bit out of the norm, just some shots around the rim, some some post moves. Uh, they were really critical in getting Indiana back into it. And then again, Matherin in the fourth quarter was absolutely terrific. So the seven-game losing streak is over for the Pacers. The Colts apparently have starting to narrow down. This head coaching list, again, some interest in bringing Dan Quinn in for a second interview, Uh, Jeff Saturday, uh, and Agero Avero. that is the Bengals defensive coordinator, or excuse me, the Broncos defensive coordinator. So, is that the the list of
0: who they have said they're going to interview a second time, or who they have already interviewed a second time?
4: Uh, None of these are second interviews so far. Okay. So, uh, just the reported interest, nothing from the team yet on that front, so we'll obviously touch on that throughout the day Indiana's up at the barn tonight perfect weather to be at the barn 9 o'clock tip a 10.5 point favorite on the road you don't often see that in the Big Ten the old double digit road favorite I would say that is an indicator of how Minnesota has played basketball this season but again good Wednesday morning to you Kevin Bowen, and Jake Query and Mark Dykden. Uh Mark your commute in from the Brownsburg area Avon area not too bad. Not not too much sticking. I mean, there's some wet stuff on top of the car this morning, but after I brush that off, pretty smooth. I don't know how good that'll be when we leave the building today, but driving in, not too bad.
0: What time is Wilkes going to join us? Because I want to know. Short, like 90 seconds. Okay, because I'll be curious to find out. And thank you to Brian Wilkes for being up this early because this is going to be a long day for him, I'm and sure. And
4: for making time for us. I mean, he's, he's a fellow be right. Bears fan. He he knows He's up.
0: big. You know, he's also a um, a Bulldog owner. And a, uh, he does a very good De Niro impersonation. Multi talented. We should Wilkes. probably
4: focus on weather with him.
0: Uh, he also likes cereal, like yourself, Mark. He's a big cereal eater. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't like cereal? <laughs> he might be eating cereal. That Your first question for Brian Wilkes, Kevin, should be what is the cereal? dessert? I'm going to go
4: with. Brian, how's it going? He's going with Lucky Charms. Okay. This is a day to treat uh, yourself. Cocoa Puffs. Someone in Co- his industry. Cocoa Puffs. F- Fruity Pebbles also in the mix, probably. Yeah, I I think the peak treat yourself is a little Lucky Charms. And you're all obviously only picking out the... the what charms. about
0: the, just Marshmallow Lucky Charms? Oh, sure. That's exactly what he's... You know,
4: you got to reward yourself on a day like today if you're working in that industry. Along with Brian Wilkes, Stephen Holder going to join us at 8. Will Carroll. Talk a little Patrick Mahomes, high ankle sprain. And, and any sort of intel into the Tyrese Halliburton left elbow injury as tomorrow is supposed to be the evaluation day on that. But let's head to the Payless Slickers Hotline for a weather update. He, you see him on Fox 59. He is Brian Wilkes. Uh, Brian, a bowl of Lucky Charms this morning. What was the cereal of choice on a day uh, that you'll probably work as hard as you'll work all year?
5: No, I've got some old leftover Frank and the Berry. <laughs> I even got some backup count shots. <laughs> there honestly. you go. Oh, man. There, there you go. i guys enjoying the slush storm so far.
0: You know, so Brian... And I appreciate you coming on because you probably haven't even gone to bed yet. I mean, you probably just got home a little bit ago. Uh, no, I, went, I, I did about 3.30. It was all right. it was, Okay. <laughs> okay. You know. um, interesting. North side of Indy. And you tell me if this kind of jives with what was anticipated, Brian. About 6.30 yeah. this morning when I left the north side of Indy, it was really coming down. By the time I got yeah. to about 16th or 21st Street, uh, it had ceased. And I don't know if that's just because it was it's staying chill. north or because yeah. that was the time frame.
5: No, it's, it's about, everything seems to be pretty much on track. And what, what, what is on track is that everybody will wake up at like 7 o'clock and go, well, it's not that bad out there. Well, it wasn't expected to be. It was supposed to be a transition over like 2 to 3 o'clock in the morning to snow. That's exactly what's happened. Uh, but this is just, we expected maybe an inch and a half to maybe two inches of snow down by 7 a.m. And folks down in Bedford and areas in Indianapolis have got it. Now, the roads are doing better than it is in the grassy areas. And again, this has all been expected. It's going to start cranking as we get into the second wave or second chapter of the storm system. And when that happens, everything kind of pinwheels in and starts to fill in. So I, the thinking was that after 7 a.m., probably between 9, 10, and 11, is when we'll get underneath these heavier bands of snow. And that's when we'll put down a quick another 3, 4, possibly wind up with about 6 inches of slushy snow when it starts to taper down by 2 or 3. So, yeah, what have it's literally going to be a difference of 30 miles makes all the difference in a meteorology, man. That's just like splitting hairs. But... You know, this day and age, you got to be as pinpoint accurate as possible. You know, we didn't have all this crap back in the day. We had, you know, a couple of maps and a couple of charts, and so we had to figure it out with a pen and paper nowadays you got to sit there and look at all these computer models until your eyeballs bleed then you have to kind of come up with a decision but honest to goodness this is a massive system it's got a ton of moisture if it were just about three degrees colder we'd be looking at 12 or 13 inches of snow we're going to get half of what you normally would get and still that's substantial you know five to maybe on the high end eight inches of snow along that heavy band but you're absolutely right it'll be a difference of just a matter of miles to the northwest or north side of indianapolis as it pulls down towards the southeast
0: okay so my other question brian would be i guess twofold and the first like i've always said because i'm not a huge fan i think snow is pretty but like everybody kind of once it falls and settles you're like okay get it out of here so this time of year for me is a little psychologically easier because i think well we're kind of you know it's not like it's january 1st and you know you feel like you're in siberia so Right. Today, in terms of today, by what time of day are we out of the woods? That's quite part one. And then part two is the immediacy following in the next couple of days looks like this is going to stick around and there's going to be more or it's going to be gone pretty quick.
5: Uh, it's probably going to be more of a, a good packing snow that hangs around for a few more days. But the temperatures during the afternoon are going to go right back up about freezing. So the, the, what's missing out of this storm system and what we've been lacking for the last 30 days is real arctic air, so this isn't technically really gonna be preserved. Sure, it's gonna be cold and damp, but it'll freeze and thaw at night, and then it'll freeze at night and then thaw and again in the afternoon. So eventually it'll melt away, let's be honest. I mean, it's kinda ugly around here when it's cloudy every day and there's no snow on the ground, right? No, you're right. So this gives you a little coating of snow and you expect, okay, a couple inches here or there. Again, you're looking at probably the biggest impact here is on the roads. And right now they're just slushy in most spots, which is again, a product of not having any real cold air for the last 28 days. So yeah, the snow will be laid down. It'll come down really hard. This winter was expected to be like last winter, kind of a, a wimpy one, and then you get one big snow, and then maybe that's all we're done with. You know, last year we had little to no snow until that February 3rd system. So this one puts down a pretty good coating of snow. You end up with a half foot in some spots. and. Next thing you know, it's you know, down here by 2 or 3 in the afternoon. The roads are in much better shape later tonight. We get a freeze. We go back below freezing. But then the afternoons are going to still be above freezing. No Arctic air to follow here. And another one of these systems will start coming in every 2 to 3 day intervals. That's the thing. They've been coming up regularly, most of which have been rain. So as we move towards the Thursday and Friday, Uh, this is gonna already have started to melt it down because we're gonna be back well above freezing I think during the afternoon hours. And maybe even get a more of a combination of rain and snow again, perhaps. Uh, with the next system maybe Saturday and again on Monday, Tuesday, somewhere of that frame.
4: Again, he's Brian Wilkes from Fox 59 joining us here for a little weather update on this Wednesday morning. So far, pretty calm in the metro area in terms of your commute in. Just a couple extra minutes for us, but it sounds like things will change a little bit here uh, into the late morning. Uh, just to reiterate, Brian, of the 5, 6 inches, whatever we are predicting here locally, you don't expect a whole lot of that to be sticking, though, roadways-wise?
5: Well, I think, I think it'll start ramping up again between 8 through about 11, 12 o'clock. So I would say mid-morning before lunchtime, it'll start really kind of coming down in areas. And, and that, when it'll overcome. So the, the ground is cool. The grassy areas are, are picking up the snow. The road temperatures tend to hang on to the warmer air a little bit longer at night. But when it really starts to come down heavy, it'll be a slushy coating. It will get slick. It will snow very hard. The rates of the snowfall start to pick up in some of these bands at about an inch an hour. So, yeah, conditions are going to deteriorate as we go deeper into the mid-morning hours and then start to improve again after lunchtime.
4: And then we were watching you last night, and you mentioned, you know, a couple models that indicated it could be a little bit south of us. How did that end up playing out? I know you said to us a few minutes ago, kind of that 30-mile band. I guess what? where is that 30-mile yeah, band?
5: The, the, the track, the sweet spot of the storm track for us to get the significant snowfall is kind of like up from Memphis, Tennessee. It's got a track along the Ohio River. That seems to be still pretty good intact, and that's why I felt like maybe some of the heavier snow might fall a little further south in a Columbus, uh, Bloomington, Columbus to Richmond line. So uh, locally along the I-70 corridor, that still seems to be pretty good. I feel that because there will be at least a little bit of a jog south of the track, that maybe the amounts pick up a little bit further south. The real difficult or or the dicey location of snowfall, this cutoff where we know there would be, seem to be like areas like in Ripley County down to Decatur County, or even up as far north as Rushville and Shelbyville, might lag behind in snowfall, but then it would really jump up as you get into Marion County. So there's a little wiggle room here in terms of where the transition is. I felt like Lafayette may not get as much snow. Maybe they will only wind up with three or four or five inches of snow. But this I-70 corridor seems to be the area where this band is going to hang around longer and sit there and kind of generate the snow. So yeah, it's going to be a tight kind of corridor, but I would say that uh, overall, everything on... This is what I said in the newsroom yesterday. Everything seems to look too darn good to not have something go wrong with this with right. the storm system you know it was like three days in a row it continued every model says you're going to get a inch of liquid all of math, all the math and the factors that you put in together and i just sat there and go what what's going to be that what's going to be the wrench that gets thrown into this thing and it's still the temperature if it were just another degree or two cooler we'd be looking at probably a blanket of like eight to ten inches of snow across the entire area but it's going to be this finite Band in this tiny little track, the movement of about twenty to thirty miles of wherever that low goes, who gets the bigger snow band and then who just can get gets a slushy four or five inches?
0: Brian, before we let you go, I, I want to point this out for people that are listening. Brian Wilkes is with us from Fox fifty nine on the Payless Slickers Hotline, and I know you got a busy day ahead, but uh, I, I want people to be aware of this. You and I have known each other, you know, a fair amount of time since you've been in the market, and there are a lot of people that are doing weather on television that do a good job but they do it because they wanted to be on television and and you know they they happen to be the one doing the weather business
5: business. that's right but you love it man i mean
0: like i want people to know like you you're a kid that you know a lot of kids grew up listening to ball games you were listening to weather radios and you were watching maps and you were studying this stuff and man it it shows in your work man i mean like you you understand this stuff
5: I think, but I wanted to get out of school more than anybody when I was a kid, you know? And I, I'd sit there, and I'd watch these weather forecasts, and, you know, this is back, to this is how old And I remember when we got our weather, uh, we used to turn into a hi-fi and listen to the radio to find out if our school was closed. And when the storms were duds, you know, and you'd get you ended up, Mrs. Pepkowski, I, I'd show up and I'd say, Hey, Mrs. Pupkowski, I didn't do my homework because we were supposed to have a snowstorm that was coming <laughs> on a snow day. He <laughs> got written up and went to the, you know, the office. I got mad. I tried to figure this stuff out. You know, I've been doing this for 30 years. And every one of these snows are a challenge, trying to figure these things out. The most difficult forecast is snowfall forecast to this day and age. And you can throw all the computer data and all the stuff that we have at it. And, you know, the problem with it is, it's just a matter of a couple of miles when it comes to these storms. And very rarely do we get the, the slam dunk snows where just everybody gets everything exactly that you predicted. It's always going to be someone on the short side. Says, hey, we didn't get as much as you thought we did. And then they're going to be go, man, we got everything you said it would be right. It's still such a challenge. And that's what I love about it, trying to figure this stuff out. And I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's still fun, it's exciting, but uh, I'm going to sit here and eat my Count Chocula and my Frankenberry and <laughs> try <laughs> to figure out what's coming up. Hey,
4: are you looking at Bears mock drafts <laughs> right now?
5: I'm looking at what?
4: Are you Chicago Bears mock m- mock drafts right oh, now?
5: you know I'm a diehard Bears fan. I eat drink, and I have Bears underwear. You know I'm a Bears <laughs> fan. Walter, the 31st game is when Walter Payton broke the record. So am I looking at the draft? Yeah, look, I threw everything I got at a franchise quarterback. I'm 54 years old, almost 55, and I've never met a franchise quarterback. So (laughs) I'm all in on this Justin Field thing. This is my last shot, let's be honest. In fact, I'm so stupid, I think we should draft the other quarterback out of the Iowa State. Just make it a nice competition <laughs> because, number one, the season's way too long. And don't take, don't take that the wrong way. It's, it's a long season, especially when you only win three games. But that was the most entertaining three-win season sure. I've ever seen as a Bear fan in my life, number one. Number one, the Bears are ascending. Green Bay's descending. That's making me really happy. Uh, oh, and number two, sure. why not have two quarterbacks? Because look what happens when one guy gets hurt. Hello, Baltimore. Are you on the phone?
0: Yeah, that's right. San Fr- look at San Francisco, right? Pays to yeah, have somebody gonna, in the room. Come on. Hey, San Brian, San Francisco goes three deep, and
5: they do that still, and they're on their way. It's you the need way to it come to
0: there. my PBR party when, and I don't. This is we have no idea when this is going to happen, but when we all sit around and watch sports and drink PBR, I want you there.
5: Oh, absolutely, I'm down. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's have a PBR and wait for some snow to get clinking again here this morning. Okay, <laughs>
4: Brian, I know it's right, a thanks. crazy time. Thank you uh, for Thank for you guys. hopping on with us this morning, yeah. and uh, good luck getting getting back in studio.
5: Yeah, no worries. Okay, stay safe, everybody. That's Brian
4: Wilkes from Fox 59 right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Again, not too bad so far. Morning commute does sound like some of the donut counties, particularly out west, a little bit south of here. Uh, Got some more snow than we have. Uh, We'll see how the rest of the day plays out. but A little bit of snow coming, a little bit of slush as well. And Jake, we mentioned this yesterday. Outside of the high school scene, which obviously you saw a ton of cancellations for games tonight, college-wise and NBA-wise, Pretty much everybody's out of town. I use playing at the barn tonight. Purdue, I assume they'll be able to travel. Up to Ann Arbor, they play Michigan tomorrow night. Butler's at Providence. Uh, and the Pacers down in Disney. And the Mad Ants, they are at Cambridge, right? They canceled yesterday. I know, uh, but I thought they rescheduled for today
0: at oh, noon. Oh, did they? I, I th- so Yeah, the, but I don't know if the that's... the Red Claws are able to get in town? I don't know if that's like open. To the, are they the Red Claws or the Celtics? Oh, yeah, maybe they are the I think they're the, they're the main Red Claw Celtics, right?
4: Yeah, they were supposed to play yesterday, and I saw that was canceled. But that was more due to Maine, right? Because Correct. Of the travel. Correct. Have you ever eaten at In Red 10. Lobster?
0: Speaking of Red Claw's, have you ever? Oh, it's been, been a while. Mark Red Lobster, ultimate feast, of course. Yes. <laughs> Excuse <laughs> the me. The only way to go. You Get a little bit of everything. I've never. I don't know that. Is Red Lobster considered like a nice restaurant, or is it like like seafood fast food?
4: Uh, uh probably a little bit. Is of it the Applebee's of the ocean? Yeah, I think I think that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> okay. Uh, mean, Jake, Girovero, hmm what do you know about the Colts' second interview coming for Giro Averro?
0: What I know about him is primarily that because of your excellent pronunciation of a tricky name, that that means I should defer to you on your knowledge of Giro Averro. Uh, he is one that, <laughs> t- to be honest, um, flippancy aside, he kind of reminds me of Chuck Pagano in this fact. He was not a name that necessarily originally jumped out and then all of a sudden kind of gets a late a a late surge and you're like wait a minute it appears as though there's some interest here but yet was not I don't think in the beginning of this search one that that we were looking at because we thought for sure there were other names that we're going to prioritize over yeah
4: he has been a popular name this cycle Houston uh second interview with him I believe today uh that is we'll, we'll see where the Colts fall on the schedule if that comes tomorrow but um Really thought of as an extremely bright, young, defensive mind. Um, Has worked in the league for a little bit over a decade. you think about some of the big defensive names in the league, Monty Kiffin, uh, Wade Phillips. um, I mean, that's it. If you look at his resume,
0: he's been at places where – they're kind of known for having like a bell cow type defensive system where he he would have learned under, right? Like San Francisco, Tampa. He's been in Denver. He's kind of been in a a number of different places for a number of different coaches.
4: The Rams secondary coach when they won it all uh, last year, Jalen Ramsey, who we know can be a volatile personality, had a lot of praise for him. And really, it was about the only bright spot for Denver this year. In trading Bradley Chubb, one of their better defensive players midseason, Denver's defensive unit, I mean, hell, we all had a – watch with their eyes bleeding that Thursday night football game, that was the side of the ball where they actually played pretty good football. Ironically, Jake, I think, well, I guess Jeff Saturday would qualify and maybe Bubba Ventrone too. He's the one candidate that you have no idea where he's going to coach in 2023. Well, he
0: he was offered the interim, was he not? When Nathaniel Hackett was fired and he said, no thanks.
4: And I think part of that is a relationship with Nathaniel Hackett. Right. Uh, college roommates at UC Davis, so very close there. Uh, but yeah, they went with Jerry Rosberg as the interim to end the season, but you know, Averro's a guy that even if he's not your head coach, I'm kind of curious, all right, if you hire more of an offensive-minded head coach, could he be a defensive coordinator? Because again, it's no slam dunk that in Denver, um, he's going to be back there. We'll see what happens with Denver and how that plays out. So uh, we'll continue to keep you updated on that front. And talk about the Pacers last night and what was another comeback victory for them. Just a really entertaining fourth quarter. Again, Miles Turner, TJ McConnell, Aaron Neesmith, other than that group. And Neesmith, it's not like he scored. I just thought he made a ton of hustle plays. But in the fourth, Benedict Matherin was uh, was pretty incredible. Uh, 15 points in the fourth quarter. And the it Pacers. Big three, man. Hold off the Bulls. And, and again, that three, Jake, it's just no fear, no hesitation. The guy was 0 for 4 from three leading into that shot. And he shot it like he was Buddy Heald. Little handoff from T.J. McConnell, no hesitation whatsoever. Hits that one, and the Pacers end a seven.
6: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider kisimta Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kisimta And check out the details at kisimta.com Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation.
0: game losing I understand the significance of this song uh-huh. because of course the artist is snow yes right? very good but I, I have to admit I'm a little bit embarrassed that, that you would use this as a lead-in for our next guest because if there's one thing that I've learned about Stephen Holder in the, the last few weeks mm-hmm. it's that he has the finest of palettes when it comes to hip-hop and yeah. rap performers
4: well the other option was like I Red don't know that Peppers. isn't
0: he like a German fellow the informer guy oh I have no idea I, I think that's right yeah we'll that's little, fine that's all, that's all just for the weather today. It's like taking a guy that's that's buying most of his clothes at Brooks Brothers and in, in Joseph A. Bank and all of a sudden walking him into...
4: Strong you know. fashion for Stephen Holder, by the way.
0: I don't want to disparage any other clothes. I was wondering
4: stuff. who you were going to throw under the know, bus like, there. Well, There goes those endorsements. <laughs> <laughs> I was very careful there. Stephen, how do things look in the Lawrence area outside <laughs> right now?
7: Uh, it actually I was a little disappointed when I woke up. I was I thought I was gonna wake up to Snow but uh bigger flakes now coming down, so uh the old satellite dish has decided not to uh cooperate, so I guess it's getting getting messy out there. Sounds yeah, like I still have satellite, I know.
4: Sounds like that's gonna be the case all morning long. Uh snow gonna pick up visibility, Jake. You mentioned this earlier. It's getting a little bit less and less as i look outside here so keep an eye on that and uh sounds like the commute home or around lunchtime could get a little bit dicey uh
0: we he was going to mention snowflakes but that's the other floor right that's the fourth floor (laughs) okay uh steven where do things stand on the cold search like is this going to be like american idol do we have another two months of rounds to go here
7: sure why not uh it it might be a process preferable to the last one right so um (laughs) What I would say is that this is what Chris Ballard told us he would do. He said he would be very methodical. He said he would take his time. And I I can't remember if we've discussed this before, but I I do think there are some lessons here uh, from the last go-round, and and I mean five years ago You know, when they arrived at Josh McDaniels. I mean, they had a legitimate process there. They did interview quite a few candidates. I can't remember the exact number. uh, But... it it seemed as though pretty early on they were focused on Josh McDaniels. And I get the sense that this time they're going completely in the other direction, which is to say they don't want to have any such situation where they are overly focused on one individual and they are taking a really open-minded approach. Uh, These were very preliminary interviews and I anticipate whoever gets this job will have to do a second interview in person, so we're not there yet apparently.
4: Overly focused on one individual. Um, That's probably how you could describe Jim Mersey's opinion of Jeff Saturday um, for long stretches here to end the 2022 season and maybe even into 2023. Stephen, has your opinion changed at all on how Jim Mersey views Jeff Saturday permanently for this job? Uh,
7: I, I think not yet. But I, I do think this. Uh, I think that Chris Ballard and and those who are conducting, or I, I guess putting together the list of candidates, they clearly are trying to be very thorough. And so I think, for example, you have you have Rich Pasaccio, who I thought I was surprised to see him on the list. It makes sense. It, it makes total sense. A special
4: teams coordinator.
7: Correct. Special teams coordinator was an interim coach who had relative success in Las Vegas. They made the playoffs after, you you talk about the Colts, right, off the field, or not even off the field, but just distractions. Uh, Well, what did the Raiders go through, right, in 2021? I mean, that was just unprecedented, right? You had your coach embroiled in a scandal. You had a a player involved in a a death, uh, a fatal accident. Uh, allegedly drunk. I mean, all kinds of things, right? And and Rich Versace stared that team through that. So my point is, that's just one very, very small example of, I think, an effort to put together a list of candidates that that contrast, you know, uh, whatever else may be on the table, including just Saturday. So I guess what I'm saying is uh, they're doing their best (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the other people in the franchise certainly are doing their best uh, to give a wide array of choices. And I think with every impressive candidate who interviews, it makes it certainly harder for Jim Merce to overrule uh, those those very quality choices and to say that Jeff Saturday is the best candidate for the job.
4: When you say, and Stephen Holder from ESPN.com is with us here on the Payless stickers Hotline, when you say other people in the organization... I think early on, Jim Ursay kind of takes a backseat to these first interviews. You know, most of them virtual. Exactly right. You know, he, he's not heavily involved right now. But I'm curious about Carly Ursay, the oldest daughter. You know, we oftentimes have seen her on the sidelines, whether at practice or in games. She's taken more and more of a role, I um, think, day-to-day operations, certainly. But I'm curious... If she is sitting in on these initial interviews, because if she's another voice that has seen these other candidates not named Jeff Saturday, maybe she would say to her father at the end of this, hey, I really like, you know, insert candidate here. And I don't know, maybe that is another voice that Jim Merce says, you know what? It's not just Chris Ballard saying that. It's my daughter who it seems like eventually he will turn things over to.
7: So, to answer your question, yes, 100%. Carly Ursay is in the, is involved in these interviews. Uh, they have been virtual, but she is definitely heavily involved. That is my understanding. I would also add, this is, I think, interesting. I, I do not get the impression that Jim Ursa has been heavily involved, which is something you just alluded to. Uh, that is correct. He has not been heavily involved at all in this particular aspect or this particular stage, I guess I should say. Uh, to my understanding, now that doesn 't mean that that he isn 't getting looped in and that he um, you know maybe he 's watching zoom recordings of the interviews i don 't know right but but he's not he 's not heavily involved here so i, I don 't know what to take away from that particular fact, but that is the case and and we 'll see uh, what happens in the second round and how that gets approached but but Carly Ursay definitely is heavily involved. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I know that as they were uh, talking about potential candidates and and having conversations like that, she was definitely at the center of those conversations as well. So every step of the way so far, Carly ursay has been a big part of this. I I understand possibly Kalen Ursay as well.
0: Stephen Holder is our guest on the Payless Circus Hotline. Of course, he is with... ESPN and is the writer for the Colts in the NFL. Steven, in that capacity with Jim Irsay, do you believe, Jim Irsay might not have been involved with round one of interviews, do you believe that if he was not involved in round two that Jeff Saturday would be getting a second one?
7: Um, I don't know. Well, I don't even know that it's been established that, that Jeff Saturday is getting a second one, but... Uh, do I anticipate that he will? Uh, I mean, probably. <laughs> I mean, if like who's going to rule him out, right? Who, who's going to rule him out of of the in person interviews? You know, I, I don't. I don't know. Is, is Jim Mercer going to vote to rule him out? You know, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know how they're going to shape. You know, the the list of finalists. I, I don't. I can't speak to that. Right? How they are going to weed people out? That I don't know. But, but certainly the guy whose vote counts the most, you would think, uh, would be open to to having Jeff come in and sit down uh, for for a second interview. Uh, I, I don't. I anticipate there might be several. But the other factor here is this is not the question. But the other factor is it, it'll be interesting to see when the dominoes start falling here, right? Uh, Sean Payton's got some things lined up this week, but you know, does does he? Uh, become a guy who who maybe is the first domino to fall, and yeah. does that. Dan Quinn. Dominoes? Sorry, Dan Quinn. I feel like you yeah, know. I was going to say Dan. Yeah, one. yeah, exactly. He, he's lining up. Uh, I think he's, I think he's in Arizona maybe today or yesterday. It's for uh, a follow up. So that's getting that's getting closer. So so I don't know. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is when when that first domino falls, no one's been hired yet. I do anticipate you'll see. Other moves come maybe quickly after that.
0: You know, I'm curious of this, Stephen, in terms of like the league rules. You know, I get the fact that when you reach out to and you ask permission to a franchise to interview one of their coaches, it's with the understanding that it would be for that coach to have an opportunity to elevate their profile within the league or, you know, get a promotion in terms of what rung of coaching they're in. Uh, how does it, what is the slippery slope of, is it possible that the Colts have conducted interviews for quote, their head coach, when in fact they're actually doing diligence to see if it's someone they want to pluck away for a coordinator position? Is that possible?
7: It is possible. I've actually wondered that, and I don't know who specifically fits that profile, but but when you're interviewing, I believe the number is 13 now. I think, or at least there have been 13 requests. I believe. Then you start to wonder that. I, I think that's a very fair question. I have wondered it. I don't know the answer, but I think it's a fair question and and not something that is is off the table. I mean, you wouldn't tell the candidate that, but but certainly it could be something that is that is being considered by the Colts. The other thing is. You know some of these coaches down the line. You know maybe you know maybe a, a candidate who comes available for a role such as you're talking about a, a coordinator role. Uh, we've we've talked about or we've heard about coaches um, potentially talking about who their their uh, you know if an offensive coordinator, for example, gets hired away, who would be you know sort of your, your backup plan? We've heard about. Uh, conversations like that happening in this hiring cycle because that has been an issue so you never know there's lots of different variables at work and i, I think all of those things are possible
0: also Stephen, i wanted to ask you about this last night um i was scrolling through on espn.com and they had a, an article on nfl predictions and, and i i think this was before i took melatonin i Maybe I was hallucinating. One of them I saw, they predicted two teams that Aaron Rodgers could play for next year if it is not the Green Bay Packers, which I always find a little unique because he's under contract, but he seems to be kind of a diva. Um, New York Jets and Indianapolis Colts was one of those. Your
7: thoughts? So, yes, I have thoughts. So, the article was was quoting, I think it was Jeremy Fowler, my colleague. The, The article was, a reflection of what uh, decision makers around the league predict might happen. And so the question that was asked of them, what do you think happens with Aaron Rodgers? If in fact, he does not go back to green Bay, which is always possible because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. He's exhausting, right? So apparently some, uh, one or more mentioned the Colts as a possibility and, and, and the, the rationale there was, look, they have had this this revolving door of veteran quarterbacks, but this guy would be a, a different level and, and much more of a sure thing. I mean, I think I generally agree with that, but I also think that it doesn't help them in the long term. And and if you bring Aaron Rodgers in, and listen, like 17 dominoes would have to fall before that even happened, right? So this is very, very, very hypothetical. But whatever, what the hell, right? We're, we're talking about it, so let's go. What I would say is even if you, you think he he has this huge immediate impact, which he would, I think, you still don't solve your long-term problems. And, I mean, Aaron Rodgers could walk out of the door a year from now, right? I mean, so you never know what you're dealing with with him, and, and it's a constant question about his future. I, I don't think that this is a team that needs to create more questions at quarterbacks. So that's my initial reaction to that.
4: And Stephen Holder with us here, ESPN.com on the Payless Liquors hotline. Stephen, I wanted to clarify something. In a way I feel like you're I'm being asked, I'm asking you to check my work on this, but the D'Amico Ryan situation is really interesting to me. And again, we haven't covered a head coaching search since twenty eighteen, and the rules have changed a lot, really, since twenty eighteen. Yeah. But do I have this correct in that the Colts can't even talk to D'Amico Ryan's on Monday if San Francisco is still playing for a Super Bowl, and I I believe I have this correct. There's four coaches left in the playoffs that the Colts have reported interest in. They've interviewed three of them, the three offensive coordinators that we'll see on Sunday, Brian Callahan with Cincinnati, Shane Steik in Philly, Eric BNME, Kansas City. But they didn't talk to D'Amico Ryans initially. He declined, I think, two of the four interview requests just because he didn't have enough time. And I believe the NFL rule states if you didn't talk to them prior to the Super Bowl, if they make the Super Bowl, you've got to wait until after that game to speak with them?
7: So, I it is so confusing. You are correct, yes. <laughs> they, they it's so confusing. The They've changed them a lot. And I'm trying to, I don't want to misinform the listeners, so I'm going to be careful. Uh, they, uh, you know what, we'll have to, I think I'm going to have to, to actually do my own double-checking on this because I don't remember. And, and I'm, I'm actually, as we're talking here, I'm scrolling, trying to remember. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, let's not, let's not guess. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I don't oh. want to do that. I feel, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing that I, I think I should know this, but I, I feel like I might be kind of, sort of, guessing. So let's... I mean, let's I didn't know it that. until
4: last night, to
7: be totally honest yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah, and... Uh, Basically, I, I, think, I think they think can talk... Was, they I can talk to the was, other
4: coordinators. They can talk to the ones that they've already spoken with. So Biennami, Steichen, mm-hmm. Callahan. If any of those guys are in the Super Bowl, they can talk with them during the Super Bowl off week because they've already done one interview with them. But in Ryan's right. case, who, you know, by all accounts, I think in some people's eyes, he's the most coveted candidate this coaching cycle. The fact that he didn't speak with Indy means if San Francisco wins on Sunday, you wouldn't be able to talk to him till February 13th
7: yeah that's that's rough that's yeah here it is actually i'm looking at it here so he yeah he can't do interviews uh i believe you can't he definitely can't do interviews before this game coming up um yeah it's complicated would you wait that long to talk to him i don't know that's i it, it would it would make me uncomfortable i would say that um and and look, he he made a choice, frankly, by by bailing on the interview. I'm not well, bailing's the wrong word, right? I mean, he was doing what he felt he had to do, right? And and kudos to him, right, for prioritizing his work. Uh, but you know, it, 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 that came with some consequences too, you know. And and so that's that's just a reality. That's just a reality. Um, actually, I'm looking at it now, and and the latest coverage says: should the 49ers win the NFC title game. Ryan's would have to complete any additional interviews by February 5th. Um, so, I don't know. It's it's very confusing. I, I think it may be – we'll have to get this clarified and, and put it up on Twitter. Let's do that. Okay.
5: Well, yeah, <laughs> we,
4: we I'm can, confused. yeah, we will collaborate on okay. that here. Um, anything yeah. to note on Agero Averro? That is reportedly going to be a second interview for the Colts. Denver's defensive coordinator last year, before that, was a secondary coach with the Rams, obviously on their Super Bowl Team, um, anything stand out to you about the Averro name?
7: Uh, well, yeah, he he actually he's got a lot of varied experience in the league. Been on uh, quite a few different staffs. I remember in my early days in Tampa Bay. Uh, he was, I think, like a quality control coach on that staff. Someone honestly I never talked to, but you know, if you think about who was who was on that that Tampa Bay staff, you know, who in some of his formative years, you know. Um, At one point, Mike Tomlin, Raheem Morris, obviously that was John Gruden's staff as the head coach. Uh, Monty Kiffin was on that staff, legendary coordinator. So, like, these are some of the people who informed his, his, you know, sort of helped form who he's become as a head coach. And then he's gone on to work in lots of other places as well. I'll say this, for what it's worth, maybe people don't care, but I mean, to get that that Broncos defense to play as consistently as he did uh, for a team that seemed to be in a lot of dysfunction, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. So that's about as much as I can say. I don't know how how all that translates to a head coach, but but certainly he made a, a good impression. It, it would seem, and he seems like he also strikes me as a serious guy. You know, not that Frank Reich wasn't, but I think they clearly they they want you know sort of a, a serious person for this job uh, that's my impression and so he probably fits that bill as well
0: Stephen my sister's birthday is February 6th it's also Axel Rose's birthday I think Babe Ruth's also um, which is a safer bet that on my sister's birthday we will know who the Colts head coach is or the Colts in the NFL draft will select fourth
7: I'm sorry. What was the last part again? Or that the, the Colts
0: will select where they are slotted to select in the NFL draft.
7: Mm, um, I think we. I think we may know by the sixth. I think we may know. Uh, I mean, I think next week is probably the pivotal week. And the other thing to note here is this is not a reason to do it, but they they, do, they prefer not to have these teams. Uh, you know, do these kinds of announcements the week of the Super Bowl that is strongly discouraged by the NFL so that, you know, the Super Bowl can have all the coverage and and not be interrupted. It's kind of an unwritten rule, but it is something that's important. So to do that, and I'm not saying that's why they do it, but but that would be another variable perhaps why we may learn something next week. I just think the dominoes are going to start to fall, and it may behoove you to make a decision, you know, by – you know, by, by that that week before the Super Bowl. But we'll see. We do hope. you
0: think when you look at the other franchises that are in the same mix looking for a coach, is Indianapolis in any sort of a competition for anybody? Is do you believe that there is a coach that they are saying to themselves, that is our guy and that's who we have to get, come hell or high
7: water? Well, I don't know if they're saying that specifically, but but if if we're talking about possible competition, I, I think Dan Quinn would be would be the guy who there, there may be some competition for. I mean, we, we know of another second interview for him. We know it appears the Colts want to talk to him again. So that's two teams that are taking particular interest in him. He's also, obviously, one of the premier candidates in this cycle. You know, we've, we've known that for quite some time. So none of this is surprising. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, if there is another team in the mix for, for the, the candidate, the Colts target, it, it may be telling, you know, in, in terms of where he ends up going. It may be telling in terms of what people think about the Colts and, and what kind of pitch the Colts are making.
4: Yeah, what happens with that first domino? I, I agree, Steven. It's been pretty quiet so far. Yeah. I think another thing to keep in mind if you wait, you know, does that hinder what type of coaching staff that coach could I've build as that. well? Reggie Wayne yeah. had an interesting tweet last week about. Just kind of the uh, the ruthless nature to the coaching aspect in the NFL. I think that's another thing to weigh. Uh, Steven, good luck if you make the trek out. Again, right now, not too bad, but it sounds like a little bit dicier as the morning moves along. Uh, appreciate the time this morning.
7: You got it, guys.
6: Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider symptoms
4: So the weather update as we hit the 9 o'clock hour, what Brian Wilkes told us in the 7 o'clock hour is exactly taking place. That is a lot less visibility and a lot more snow in the downtown metro area and starting to stick at a much higher rate than it was earlier. And sounds like this is kind of going to be the norm here for the next couple of hours. Early afternoon is when things should start to quiet down on that front. So our respective commutes in, we're not too bad at all. But, guys, I think our commutes home are going to be a whole lot different.
0: Yeah, we were also the only three people that were having to go to work at that hour. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, most people, I think, stayed in.
4: Yeah, we had the roads to ourselves. Correct. And, honestly, the roads were just Great. pretty much wet at that hour. To get an update you know, on some injuries, Tyrese and Patrick Mahomes, Will Carroll, the injury expert, joins us now from the Payless Liquors Hotline. Will, uh, for our listening audience, where are you at around town, and how are, do things look from where you are?
8: Yeah, I'm, I'm on the southeast side over by Franklin Central, and it's doing pretty good. You know, you can see, uh, I can see my neighbors are getting around, but it's at that uh, level where I would be like, eh, you know, I don't really need to go out. Uh, i think we probably have two, three inches on the ground right now, and it's coming down pretty good.
4: Again, Will Carroll is with us here, the injury expert. Let's begin with Tyrese Halliburton. Will, when he went down a couple weeks ago, yeah. it was an awkward fall. And you know, initially you're thinking did he gets stepped on, and all of a sudden after the game, they're like, "Yeah, left knee and left elbow. Sounds like the knee is okay, but mm-hmm. now it's the elbow that's kind of hanging hanging around and has caused his absence to maybe extend into February. What could he be dealing with, and and the hindrance there?
8: Yeah, it's just going to be uh, it's a simple elbow sprain. He fell on it. Uh, we see this happen all the time. It's not common, obviously. It uh, just bent the wrong way, and uh, the ligament was was damaged. They don't want that to be a problem. Uh, they don't heal very well. Uh, you know, if you go into baseball, you see so many elbow reconstructions because if it if it tears more than about twenty five to thirty three percent, they just go ahead and replace it. So you don't want that. You want to make sure it heals up, and then it doesn't affect the you know the biomechanics of the shot. Well, when we look at
0: different injuries you know a lot mm-hmm. of times players can kind of complicate things by being overcompensatory elsewhere mm-hmm. um you know in the case of, of ty halliburton i i can't imagine like with an elbow sprain that would be the
4: case yeah non-shooting elbow yeah,
0: yeah you know i mean is it is it just simply a matter of
8: uh don't move for like three weeks is that basically it Uh, It's not don't move, but it it certainly don't put it in a situation where it's going to be compromised. Now, if you were a pitcher, you would say don't pitch, but you'd be doing other exercises. What they basically don't want to do is fall again. Uh, The ligaments compromised, and as I said, it doesn't have to be that much compromised uh, to need significant uh, issue. Though I'm honestly not sure what they would do in in, uh, a basketball player if they had a significant UCL sprain. Uh, you know, if it were you or I or most people and we blew out our UCL, we wouldn't have Tommy John surgery because you just don't need it uh, for throwing for certain activities you do. But, uh, you know, most of the time you would just go, well, let's get the swelling down.
4: Speaking of that, and again, Will Carroll joins us at the injury expert on Twitter under the knife dot sub where you can find his work. Um DeForest Buckner for the Colts, Will, had a big old kind of robo Barry Bonds cop. Uh, think of think of what Gronk wore a lot you know, late in his career. He had that on his elbow um, really throughout this 2022 season. And I think there was some chatter that he would need Tommy John in the offseason. Like, how is a football player able to play through that?
8: Well, I, you know, Tommy John normally isn't the mechanism. It's, it, it's the opposite side. Um, yeah, you know, J.J. Watt's the one that always comes to mind. He basically had his elbow uh, hyperextended. Uh, it just bent back. You think about the forces that go in there. You see a lot of pectoral strains where guys get their arms stretched out. They're trying to block. Uh, they, somebody pushes into them with just too much force and, and it snaps. So those ligaments snap all the time, those dislocations and hyperextensions. Uh, so you do see a lot of elbow braces. I, I, I'm not sure exactly what was with Buckner, uh, but uh, players play with that. Uh, you know, I play with those big old casts when, when they have broken hands, if they're not a defensive back or a wide receiver uh, and, and they like them, they use them like a club. <laughs> well, I've heard
0: my entire adult life. About Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Here's what I know about it. I know that it's named for Tommy John, who's from Indiana, and he was a pitcher, yeah. and it has something to do with your elbow. Uh, yeah. As if I was a third grader who has never even looked at a skeleton before. Can you explain to me what Tommy John surgery is? Well, it's kind of like e-learning
4: is. today for
8: the That's third right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah there, there's a ligament in your elbow called the ulnar collateral ligament that basically makes it so your elbow stops before the bones slam together. It, it uh, has uh, stability uh, for that elbow in the overhead throwing motion. When you stress it too much, it snaps. In uh, 1974, Tommy John went to Dr. Frank Job who invented a surgery on the spot. Uh, and now, today, it allows nearly one-third of the pitchers in the major leagues to be out there. Otherwise, they would be selling insurance, uh, pumping gas, doing whatever people do when they don't play baseball. Uh, but uh, it, it is a widely used surgery, and we're seeing some real advances in it right now. I've got an article coming out tomorrow uh, about uh, uh female basketball player uh high school level coming back from acl surgery in under six months Hmm.
0: wow i mean it is amazing like you look at gail sayer's injury and you think you know what yeah what would be the case now by the way if you were going to Uh, he'd be back yeah no no, i know
8: the simple acl injury uh was always the famous knee injury his was a meniscus tear he would have missed two weeks Tommy John, by the way, if
0: he was going to be forced to go pump gas, he'd want to live in Utah or New Jersey. Do you know why, Kevin? Why is that? Those are the two states that you are forbidden from pumping your own gas for employment purposes.
8: Oh, I, I did know that. Gosh, our is so weird. I kind of show my age with the, the whole pump your gas Thing is the you know, right. motion job well, Jake does that a lot here in the
4: 15 hours each week <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Will Carroll at the Injury Expert again under the knife.substack where you can find the work you just mentioned uh, Will let's move on to Patrick Mahomes high ankle sprain mm. uh, Andy Reid said nothing else from ligament damage outside of that we saw his movement You know, at times you were mm. like oh boy on Sunday how would you compare what we saw I guess that would have been Saturday from what we saw Saturday to how he'll look this Sunday evening
8: Surprisingly, well you know uh there's a couple things that go into this and that's first that he's had it before uh if you remember a couple years ago when uh i think it was the box they played in the super bowl and he was he looked terrible he couldn't move couldn't do anything uh now he's he's had this three times at least uh, and probably more um so he, his ankles are just a little bit loose uh compare this to steph curry who had to have surgery to tighten up his ankles His was the anatomical ankle rather than the high ankle. Um, but his are just looser than other people. So he didn't have as much damage. It didn't swell up as much the day after is usually when you see it and it didn't swell up as much. So I think he's going to have a better than average chance. I don't think he's going to be at a hundred percent, but he's going to be 75, 80%. And, and that's pretty good for the home's level. The other thing to keep in mind here and uh, to plug my book Chapter seven of the science of football talks about how Patrick Mahomes does crazy stuff in his training. It is just, it's weird and wacky. And yet when you see it, it's you're like, Oh, there was this drill he did with Sam Allender uh, working out there in Texas where they would basically run around this figure eight and chase each other and move around and dance. and there was a time uh, a couple games ago where I saw him kind of spin out uh, do that big circular Fran Tarkin kind of scramble. I'm dating myself again. Um, and it was exactly what he had practiced. And if they do drills where he's on one foot. They do drills where he's wearing one shoe because that happened to him one time. So it, 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 it should not surprise people that Patrick Mahomes prepared for this kind of thing.
4: And I would assume, Will, just given, and I know this is kind of a, whatever, cliche word, but given his arm talent and how rare he is as a thrower, this is a guy that, again, from a throwing standpoint, he should be able to compensate for any sort of favoring of that back ankle, I guess, if he were throwing a football.
8: Yeah, I mean, he's not a Josh Allen type. He's he's, he's more of a, just a, he's kind of a wizard out there. You yeah, he really he's, is. He's, he's a magician a with his arm, angle. arm angles. Yeah, exactly. And he again, this is a uh, thing that goes all the way back to him being a high school baseball player and his father being kind of talented at the game himself. So uh, it's not so much that. I don't think he could be a Tom Brady-type pocket passer. I remember when Donovan McNabb hurt his leg and basically couldn't move, but you know they, they shotgun snapped him, and he stood back there and played pretty well. I don't think Patrick could do that. You know, he, he's just too creative uh he, he's too improvisational and i think he'll have a chance to do all that uh in what should be a heck of a game this sunday hey will how's the heart heart's good how about yours uh th- supposedly
0: good uh, you know i thought of it because to be honest with you uh, and, and i know this sounds ridiculous and cliche and whatever else uh it's a really wet snow out there and mm-hmm. so i i think people get you know, they go out and they start shoveling snow and they get a little overconfident. And so I thought you and I would be two guys to tell people that if there's any warning sign at all to pay attention
8: to it, you know what I mean? Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, uh, pay that kid down the street however much you have to at this point, Uh, get a snow plow, get get something. That's one of those exercises that I I don't think people understand, uh, especially with the wet snow that's heavy. Uh, It really can test your cardio if you're not ready for that. And unfortunately, too many people aren't.
4: Yeah, it was good to see last on the news telecast that they mentioned that several times and kind of warning people on that front. Um, Before we let you go, Will, this is the first time we've chatted, and I guess on the heart front, since the DeMar Hamlin situation occurred in Cincinnati. Just in your history, um, obviously the medical attention that's on an NFL field, if this is going to happen anywhere, that's probably one of the better places to have it happen. I I know that might not sound the, 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 the best, but just your thoughts on how... The Buffalo, Cincinnati, stadium medical teams handled everything. There.
8: Oh, absolutely amazing. I mean, they did everything right. They practice for this. You prepare for this. You hope you never have to have it. But it does raise... Uh, consciousness. I know that Buffalo and a lot of people have been doing things to raise consciousness for CPR, uh, for the need for padding, especially for young kids. It was about 10 years ago up in, I want to say Zionsville, where uh, a young boy was hit in the chest. It, I mean, it wasn't that hard, supposedly, but uh, the same sort of thing, the Commocio cordis, uh, dropped, and they didn't have all that. They didn't have an athletic trainer. They didn't have an automatic uh, defibrillator. A- and those are the kind of things we need to have, at anywhere if your kids are playing sports you better know who the medical professionals around there are and if they don't have it which unfortunately we don't have at all the high school levels you certainly don't have them at all the practices even colleges don't have uh, athletic trainers at every practice and it's just as likely to happen there so I think we all need to take a look at how seriously we're taking it if you can't afford a medical professional whether it's an athletic trainer or, or someone else if you can't have a around Maybe you shouldn't have
4: sports. Yeah, I mean, it was an awful scene, but to your point, Will, I do think it's opened up a lot of people's eyes into all those questions that you just laid out. As always, Will, terrific stuff at The Injury Expert on Twitter under the knife.substack. Thanks, Will.
7: Thanks, guys.